And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. Hey, good morning and welcome to the second best day of the week. That's right, it's Thursday for The Real Investment Show as we get ready to wrap up the week already. I mean, just right around the corner. It's Friday. Everybody's getting ready for Thanksgiving already, so everybody's just kind of warming up the juices, going to get there. So a couple things to talk about yesterday, of course. uh, Market sold off fairly sharply yesterday, and this was following the midterm election, right? So uh, a lot of focus on the midterm elections Monday and Tuesday. Markets had rallied for a couple of days into that midterm election. Election was over, and of course, um, you know, results weren't as well as expected, and so stocks kind of took a little bit of a breather from that. But really, what contributed a lot to yesterday's sell-off potentially, and we're still really kind of finding out what the consequences are going to be was, and we and we discussed this on yesterday's show was this whole fallout of FTX yesterday and and Binance, which was the firm that was supposed to come in and basically you know, take over and make a kind of be an angel investor for FTX to try to get it, uh, you know, back on his feet, uh, backed out of the deal. They said just simply there's too big of a hole there to fill. It's almost it's between eight and ten billion dollars shortfall uh, for FTX. So a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money. We'll talk some more about that this morning. But potentially there were a lot of high profile investors in FTX, which as that basically imploded yesterday, took a lot of these big funds down. Uh, Tiger Global, we'll go through some of the lists today, BlackRock, others all kind of invested in FTX and and Sequoia yesterday wrote their entire investment down to zero. Uh, So obviously a little bit of a black eye on the balance sheet, but a part of that yesterday, that selling yesterday, and and it was a little bit lighter volume than than normal yesterday. So again, uh, the move was fairly exaggerated but it wasn't accompanied by a real high level of volume, but expected that there was probably some margin calls yesterday because of FTX, uh, some of these big investors having to liquidate positions to cover those margin calls, potentially contributed to some of that sell-off yesterday. And again, it was kind of an orderly sell-off yesterday. It wasn't a big, it, you know, wasn't a very rapid decline. It was kind of a, a grinding sell-off all day as, as this news kind of became available. Uh, looked like there was some selling going on for that. This morning, futures are looking to rebound here just a little bit now. Dow's up about 58 points this morning. S&P's up 11. Uh, again, not a, big, not a big push. But one of the interesting uh, byproducts of yesterday was what happened in the bond market because the bond market yesterday had a terrible auction. And what the, basically, we've talked about the lack of liquidity in the bond market right now. Just basically, nobody wants to buy bonds at the moment uh, because there's not a ready buyer, being the Federal Reserve. So the primary dealers not really wanting to buy bonds. And so the liquidity in the bond market's been drying up. And this has been one of the issues for the Treasury. They need to issue debt in order to fund the government. And right now, banks are going, yeah, don't really want to buy them. Uh, and so that's been pushing rates up. Now, interestingly, the, while we talk about this, rates really haven't gone anywhere, despite the fact that, that the Fed's been hiking rates and there's been, you know, this run of inflation. Interest rates really haven't capped much more above 4%. We've just kind of been stuck 
at 4% on the 10-year Treasury. But yesterday, despite that terrible auction, um, bonds actually performed fairly well yesterday. And, and again, part of that we can attribute probably back to FTX as basically collateral buying was going on. As, as margin calls, stuff was being liquidated. Uh, some of these big investors were buying bonds to help hedge some of the risk in the portfolios. So again, that probably contributed to some of that support yesterday uh, in the 10-year Treasury. This morning yields again a bit lower uh, this morning as futures are up. And, and the one thing that we continue to kind of watch very closely is the dollar because this the, really the whole problem with the market this year has been a dollar story. It's been the strength of the dollar. Uh, the dollar's been actually topping here now for the last uh, month or so. And, and actually starting kind of this, this very nice topping process. Um, we'll see if we're, where the dollar kind of goes to from here, but weakness in the dollar has also been contributing to some of that support in this recent rally here. But again, dollars really stopped rising at this point. And, and again, this has been one of the, the drags on global economic growth, and particularly for corporate corporations that have multinational businesses. About 40% of their sales come from overseas. Uh, the strong dollar obviously makes those goods more expensive and you get less consumption because of that. So part of the margin pressure, corporate margin, uh, corporate earnings story, corporate revenue story has been coming from the stronger dollar. We're going to keep watching this dollar very closely because, again, you know, this, this dollar rally has been exceptional over the last year so now about 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 a year and a half ago I was having a huge debate with somebody talking about he was like the dollar's just going to go to zero I'm like no it's not it's going to go the other direction and it's been just a phenomenal rally in the dollar but again if you take a look at a bit, a bit longer chart here it looks to appear to have topped here we'll see uh, this is going to be one of kind of the the key components for next year um, if we do get a weaker dollar, weaker economic growth, and, and you would expect that if the economy slips into a recession next year, you know, you're going to see a weaker dollar. That's just kind of where those two go together. Now, interestingly, having said that, though, the Atlanta Fed, which is the real-time indicator of GDP, of course, they were talking about 3% GDP growth. In the third quarter, we got 2.6, so they were pretty close. They currently estimate that fourth quarter GDP will now be 4%. So a very strong growth rate in the fourth quarter. I'm not, you know, we're not really seeing that in the data outside of, of what we see going on uh, in terms of employment. But, you know, they're expecting a 4% growth rate. Now, they're always kind of high at the start, but they came, they started at 3%. They've already increased that to 4 and we're into the basically the middle of November now. So again, they're expecting a very strong growth rate for the fourth quarter. So there's certainly nothing recessionary about that right now. So as the Fed keeps hiking rates here, we're not really seeing the impact of that in terms of economic growth. So we'll see if we play a catch-up game next year. Uh, because again, as we've talked about before, Fed rate hikes take about nine months to hit the economy. So, you know, while there was a lot of angst about a recession the first two quarters this year, we're saying, no, that's not really going to be a recession. Um, you know, we're probably going to see stronger economic growth in third and fourth quarter. Well, that's been kind of coming true here. Uh, but next year is where all these interest rate hikes are going to hit. So will we see a recession next year or will be in 2024? That's going to be the question of kind of how long, 
you know, these things can kind of hold in place. And, and so, again, we're watching these things very closely, but keep a watch on the dollar because the dollar tells you a whole lot of stories. A weaker dollar should be good for risk assets. That's been one thing that's kind of been weighing on risk assets this year. A weaker dollar should also play better for bonds as well. So, again, th this whole story this year has been strong dollar, weak markets. So, theoretically, if we do get a weak mar weaker dollar next year, that should bode well potentially for risk assets as well as for fixed income. So we're going to keep a close watch on that. But again, uh, the story today, um, and as we talked a little bit about in this morning's daily commentary, which is on the website now, is that the market yesterday came, you know, did sell off. We did violate that 20-day moving average. Now it's going to be really important that between today and tomorrow, uh, we continue to kind of hold that 20-day moving average. That's kind of the last level of resistance here, so to speak. Uh, before we kind of start retesting these lows of, of, of September, which are also the lows that go all the way back to June, uh, June of this year. So again, you know, we're, we're starting to flirt with some pretty important technical levels here. It hasn't been a, a great rally this week at all by any stretch of the imagination. But again, you know, we're, we're still up off the lows that we had back in September and, and particularly after the last OFMC report, certainly doing better than that, but just barely. So again, we kind of want to keep a watch on that. But we'll come back, we're gonna talk some more about the FTX finance fallout. Uh, what happened yesterday and then why that weighed on the markets. Uh, got some other stuff to get into this morning as well. So stick around. More of the Real Investment Show coming up right after the break. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year. Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic Economic Review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. And welcome back to the show this morning. So, this uh, whole interesting rivalry between and, and you know, Brent and they labeled the show this morning bromance and that's really not the case FTX and Binance were huge rivals and they were have been in a long rivalry here for a while trying to be kind of the king of the mountain so to speak and you know as is always the case generally only one survives and it's kind of like Thunderdome right <laughs> so um, you know and, and in this case, it's, it's going to be Binance that survives. And yesterday, we discussed a little bit about Sam Bankman-Fried, who is the CEO of FTX and was worth about $16 billion on Monday, uh, probably now has a negative net worth as this is going to unfold very poorly. Apparently, there's about an 8, bill, eight to 10 billion. And again, numbers kind of vary here, so you know, don't take a quote from this. But roughly, there's a hole there of between eight and ten billion dollars that investors are going to be out a lot of money 
um, people that have money invested in FTX are going to lose a lot of money. So, you know, those that were smart enough to get out, they got out with some of their money, but there's going to be a lot of people that wind up losing uh, some, most, or all of their money as well. And this is one of the problems with investing in these, you know, kind of unproven businesses and, you know, things that, that, that become problematic. And there's a real story here, and we'll find out because, you know, as, as we talk, you know, uh, you know, and more through this, and again, th these headlines are going to unfold now for quite some time, but there's now going to be investigations into FTX um, by legal authorities. And if this was, as it appears to have been, a potential Ponzi scheme by the way that works. And, and again, I'm not saying it was a, a Ponzi scheme, right? But the way that it was operated was very similar to a Ponzi scheme. And, you know, there's going to be a real risk here for Sam Bankman Fried that he may go from billionaire to jailmate at some point. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. But this obviously isn't, isn't, isn't good for a couple of things. One, it's not good for the industry as a whole. And, you know, secondly, this isn't the, you know, thing that, you know, helps promote an idea. And, and again, this just, these type of things, when they occur, you know, the, one, of the, one of the whole premises of the whole cryptocurrency environment was it was going to be, you know, unregulated. The authorities can't have anything to do with it. And it's going to, you know, it's, it's freedom. Freedom from authority and regulation. Well, the problem is, is that when you have freedom from authority and regulation, these things type of happen. And, and this is where regulators, as is always the case, step in and start regulating the industry. So if your whole goal was to keep regulators out of your industry, this is not the way to do it. Because when people start losing a lot of money, this is when regulators go, yep, we need to regulate that. We need to control that. We need to make sure there's legal framework around it, et cetera. Um, you know, this is what happened. This is why you have the SEC, right? The Security Exchange Commission. It didn't exist until after the 1929 crash, right? The 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 stock market was this free, kind of unfettered, wild west prior to 1929. Banks were, you know, loaning money so that they could issue you know, IPOs, and they would loan money to customers to buy the IPOs that they were issuing. It was all just kind of one hand in the same pot, right? And everything was fine and dandy as long as everything was going up. But then when the crash came, this is when the government said, yeah, probably need to regulate that. And that's when we passed the Securities and Exchange Act in, you know, the 1930s. And then have continued to apply more regulation to the industry ever since. And, and again, we, we keep having to add new regulation. Why? Because somebody figures out a way to do something. Bernie Madoff, that's a good example. And, you know, we wind up with new regulations. Enron wound up with Sarbanes-Oxley. So, you know, we keep winding up. We have to keep passing new regulation to try to keep bad actors from doing things. And I'm not saying that Sam Bankman-Fried is a bad actor. I'm not saying that at all. Things went horribly wrong with with the business model. <laughs> you know, you're creating a box, you're putting a token in the box, and you're taking the token out of the box and loaning it to something else, and you know, you create this whole circular loop based on you know the same asset.
and that eventually blows up. And it blew up spectacularly in this case. So the problem is that eventually this is going to come in and start to create a more regulated environment for cryptocurrency. But the, the problem here is twofold. One, you know, the, the current sell-off in cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin fell almost $4,000 just in a couple of days here, went from 20000 to 16000 Bitcoin will probably find the bottom here in the next, you know, couple of days once this shakes out. Uh, Ethereum and other cryptocurrencies also down sharply over the last few days. You know, and, the, and these and these cryptocurrencies have just been a tough investment this year, right? They've gone nowhere this year. They 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 kind of move up and down a little bit, but they really have not gone anywhere. And I guess and and part of the way that's a good thing, right? They haven't gone anywhere in the last few months, so they're not going down, <laughs> except for the last day or so, but. You know, this has been a real tough road for retail investors, right? Uh, and, you know, in 2020, 2021, we talked about this whole idea of the retail investor and, you know, they had the tiger by the tail. And, and we warned then that, you know, be careful thinking that you got the tiger by the tail because the tiger being Wall Street, by the way, Wall Street tends to get even, you know, they figure the game out pretty quickly. Cool. You may get that. You may have Wall Street by the tail for the moment, but they tend to turn around and bite you back. And that's the way it was back in 2020, 2021, because these retail investors were, you know, killing it, right? You know, the IPOs and SPACs and, you know, chasing meme stocks and, uh, you know, causing all kinds of ruckus in the markets, you know, with the Robinhood app. And, and, and we, we talked about that here on the show. And we said, look, this always ends badly. And it has, unfortunately, for a lot of retail investors, they were they had had bought into a lot of cryptocurrency just last week. We had seen a big inflow into cryptocurrency just last week, going into the midterms. Bought right into the crash, you know. But this is following the crash in meme stocks, the crash in IPOs, the crash in spacs. I mean, it's just been it's just been a devastating year for these more speculative assets. You know, that's the way markets work, though. And this is the, the important part about, you know, risk management. There's nothing wrong with investing in these things, right? Just control how much you put into them and be willing to suffer the consequences, but in an amount that it doesn't really change your lifestyle much if things don't work. And in a lot of cases, crypto hasn't worked. But in a lot of cases, you know, a lot of these younger investors had the majority of their net worth in this idea that was to be cryptocurrency and this DeFi issue. And look, and again, I'm not, not criticizing cryptocurrency at all. I think there's a, an interesting benefit to this. It's going to be vastly different in the future. It's going to be regulated. It's going to be government controlled at some point just because and because of things like what happened with FTX. This is what, again, as I said, this is what's going to drive that regulation. And we've been saying that for a while is that eventually this is going to end up. It's going to be deemed a security. It's going to have to follow securities laws in order to protect investors. So this whole idea of it being this rogue currency that's outside of the uh, outside of the confines of government control that that was a nice fantasy, but that's not gonna that's not gonna be the way that it ends up. 
because of things like FTX. And you'll be able to point back to this event and say, yeah, that was one of the reasons why we are where we are now. But this is going to be a few years down the road by the time we get there. But when we get there, we can look back and say, yeah, here was a series of events that caused that. But again, there's a lot of good benefit in the idea of blockchain. We talked about yesterday. Look, you know, we got all these problems with the election. Um, you know, we go to the 2020 election. There was lots of accusations about miscounting of votes and ballots and all these type of things. And then just in the recent midterms, there, you know, polling stations ran out of paper and, you know, some machines didn't work and this and that and the other thing. And there's just all these problems. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of people that will, they'll, you know, identify a problem and say Bitcoin solves that. Well, well, blockchain solves that voting problem. Somebody's just got to develop it. So there's a lot of really great benefits that will come out of blockchain eventually. And we're finally starting to see, you know, some businesses beginning to operate on trying to figure out a way to make blockchain work. JP Morgan just recently executed a trade over blockchain, kind of the first test. And again, you know, the whole benefit of blockchain is that the blockchain verifies the transaction. So you know, where it starts, where it ends, and there's complete verification. You can eliminate a lot of middlemen out of, this, uh, out of the transaction. We talked about that yesterday. So, you know, again, there's going to be a lot of great benefits, but we've got to go through this, you know, the wild, this is the Wild West part of that asset and that technology. And very much like 1920 to 1929, which is the Wild West of the stock market, it eventually blew up and people lost a ton of money and they had they didn't have this is why we now have FDIC insurance because banks failed right now we have FDIC insurance issued by what the government so you know as these events occur see when things go up nobody cares as long as people are making money nobody cares but these events like the 1929 stock market crash Enron Bernie Madoff all these type of things. This is what leads to more and more government overreach, government regulation. Why? Because you can't control yourselves. This is the problem. Be right back after the break. advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com the end of the year is fast approaching what will the new year bring join richard rosso danny ratliff and lance roberts for our year-end economic review special event tuesday november 15th how to address higher taxes in the new year should you delay your retirement in 2023 what will the midterm elections mean for markets register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And 
welcome back to the show. So, you know, just before the break, talk a little bit about this whole uh, Binance, FTX kind of bailout. That's not going to happen right now. Um, what was interesting is it's not just retail investors taking this hit on the chin. As I was talking about, it's, you know, this has sucked a lot of people into it as well. Because, you know, the whole thing was like, oh, yeah, I got to get involved in this. This is great. And then, you know, once there's a person of notoriety, everybody wants to kind of hang out with that guy. And Sam Bankman-Fried was that guy. And, you know, Tiger Global um, was one of the larger investors in FTX. And, probably, and as I said yesterday, some of that selling yesterday was potentially due to liquidations occurring to meet margin calls, et cetera. And again, we don't, we don't know all the, the facts for sure yet. This is still sorting itself out. But when you have a fund like Tiger Global and the size of that, that fund, then when you start getting margin calls, that leads to selling of other assets to cover those margins, right? But it wasn't just Tiger Global. There's, you know, and, and, and two, you know, this brings up the fact that, you know, we've talked about before with people responsible for other people's money, you know, what type of due diligence are these people doing before they invest capitals of others? Here's, here's a list of some of the biggest investors in FTX, not including people like Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady, who were also investors in FTX. BlackRock, here's an interesting one, the Ontario Pension Fund. Now, here's a pension fund investing in FTX. You're investing other people's retirement into a speculative asset. But we're seeing a lot of this, right, with pension funds, CalPERS, others investing in private equity and all kinds of other stuff that is likely not going to work out well. And again, this is why pension, pension funds, though, are reaching for return because they are underfunded and they've got, respond, they've got these fund withdrawals they've got to meet, but they keep investing in speculative assets that keep generating negative rates of return instead of that 7% annualized rate of return that they count on to meet their funding obligations. Sequoia Investments, they just wrote down their entire $200 million investment to zero. That's going to leave a mark. Paradigm, Tiger Global, SoftBank, Circle, Rabbit, or sorry, Ribbit, uh, Allen Howard, Multicoin, Van Eck, others. These are all big funds, right? Lots of money that have just took an, uh, took an investment that uh, is not going to work out at all. So it, it's interesting to me that, you know, these are supposed to be some of the smartest people on the planet, and yet they really didn't do a whole lot of due diligence to understand exactly what they were investing in, which even Sam Brankman freed himself in an interview discussed the fact that it was basically a Ponzi scheme because of how... You put a, you create a box, you put a token in the box, then you borrow the, the token out of the box and create this process. So we'll see. All right. Other big numbers out today. Uh, this morning, the market's either going to move up a lot or down a lot. And that's all going to be based on the 730 announcement of CPI. CPI right now is expected to come in at 0.5%. That is the expectation. And again, if, if the number comes in cooler than that, 
which there's a possibility. We've seen weaker used car prices. We've seen some weaker core goods prices. Um, you know, we've seen a lot. We've seen a lot of retailers discounting items to get the you know excess inventory sold off. So there's a potential that, and then also too, we've seen rental rates be starting to come down. Now it's a little bit early for those to start cycling into the the homeowner's equivalent rent measure, but we may see a little bit of that show up possibly. So there's a there's a potential that we could see inflation come in weaker than expected, maybe 0.3. But if it comes in 0.5, 0.6, this market's going to be down pretty sharply. Uh, another 2% down day wouldn't be surprising. But again, if it comes in weaker than expected, a 2% update won't be surprising. Again, you know, we're so keyed to these inflation reports now. It's like, oh my gosh, what's the Fed going to do? Well, the Fed's pretty much already said what they're going to do. They're going to keep hiking rates. But we keep playing this game with the markets anyway. As like we, we just float from one employment number to one inflation number, trying to figure out what the Fed's going to do. And the Fed keeps telling you the same thing. We're going to hike rates until there's no inflation. Until we break The Fed's basically saying we're going to hike rates until we break something and kill inflation. So that's the story, right? But every time we have one of these reports, we're trying to guess what they're going to say next. And so market's going to move. But this morning at 7.30, we'll get the CPI report out. As I said, right now, um, the expectations are for a 0.5% increase. Now, remember, we're now comparing now that the inflation rate is going to come down because we're now comparing a 0.5% increase to a 0.8.9% last year. So inflation is going to come down. The, the annualized rate of inflation will come down. The, the inflation goes up every month, right? 0 0.1, 0.2, 0 0.0. But it's the comparison. And I had this question on Twitter this morning. Well, the guy said, well, I thought inflation was supposed to come down. Well, it is. Inflation is coming down. Slowly, but it is coming down. But it's because we're comparing the current rate of inflation increase, the 0 0.2, 0 0.3, 0 0.5, whatever, to a 0.8. And, and over the course of the next several months, we're going to be comparing these monthly inflation rates to 0 0.8, 0 0.9, 1, 1.2% increases from last year. So the inflation rate will come down. It's just a function of how quickly, as we see the other inflationary components begin to either you know, resolve themselves somewhat, start to come down, see rental rates come down. Again, the biggest component of CPI by far and away is homeowners equivalent rent. Now that's going to come down, but again, that may not be for another couple of months before we see that actually start to come through. But that's going to be the big, kind of the big number out this morning. Everybody's focused on that. And again, that's very likely going to have a outsized impact on the market this morning because again everybody's just kind of keyed up for this but the good news is once we get through the cpi report that's it for the next couple of weeks uh, no more employment reports till december no more cpi reports until we get to december so once we get past this kind of key report outside of just some fed speakers over the next couple of weeks shouldn't have a whole lot of big news right we're almost done with earnings those have come in about as expected it wasn't a big disappointment. It wasn't a big win. So a lot of the pressure from these news-related events should kind of alleviate as we get into the holidays. And with inmates running the asylum, you know, might see markets move up here a little bit. 
over the course of that time. But again, we just got to get through today, see where markets end up at the end of the day. That's going to kind of really be the the next kind of the the next deciding point about where we go to next. Um, but you know, there's clear evidence, as I said. You know, the Federal, uh, the Atlanta Fed currently has GDP pegged for the fourth quarter at nearly four percent. But it's interesting because if you take a look at some of the underlying economic data, 74, 74% of Americans are going to celebrate Thanksgiving because so many people are skipping the holiday this year. Um, just can't afford it, right? Used vehicle prices have dropped at the fastest pace since 2008. Dollar General Assistant Manager named Travis Bennett recently posted a video on TikTok that showed unsold inventory literally piling up to the roof. If you can't sell stuff for a buck twenty-five at a dollar store, what is going on? Right? Consumer confidence in housing just hit a record low. Companies are seemingly depressed at low sales numbers. CNN is reporting that Facebook could uh, actually did uh, CPS. Uh, Facebook reported yesterday they're going to lay off 13% of its workforce, about 11,000 employees. Sorry, 13% of its workforce, 11,000 employees. Um, a leaked video from Mark Zuckerberg addressing his employees says, hey, it's my fault. It's my call. So taking responsibility for it. Um, we talked about yesterday the number of tech companies really across the board all now announcing layoffs, hiring freezes, etc. So all that leads to slower economic growth. Credit card debt growth is slowing. Um, that doesn't, that's not a healthy sign, by the way. That means that consumers are running out of the ability to tap credit. 20 million U.S. households now behind on paying their bill, their power bills. 37% of small business owners not able to pay their rent. You know, these, these, what all these signs tell you is that the economy is slowing down, and it's slowing down fairly rapidly. But even though right now, as I said before, look, you had 2.6% growth in GDP in the, the third quarter. You're going to have north of 3% potentially for the fourth quarter. But that's because all these rate hikes haven't yet caught up with the economy. So that'll occur next year. So we will have slower economic growth next year. We will have lower rates of inflation. Um, the question is, is when have the markets actually priced all that in? And the answer is we don't know, but we'll find out. So a quick break, come back, wrap up the show. It's a real investment show. I'm your science Roberts. Don't go away.
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. The end of the year is fast approaching. What will the new year bring? Join Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and Lance Roberts for our year-end economic review special event Tuesday, November 15th. How to address higher taxes in the new year. Should you delay your retirement in 2023? What will the midterm elections mean for markets? Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com for our year-end economic review special event with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. Uh, NASDAQ up about 43 points, S&P up about six, Dow's up about 45 points right now. So again, markets trying to look, you know, a little bit positive at the moment. But again, um, before we get the market open this morning will be the CPI report. Um, that'll be at 7.30. Well, and again, futures are going to swing wildly in one direction or the other. It's not going to be, eh, and meh moment right it'll be it's going to be oh my god or yay one of the two um and and stocks are going to jump in one direction or the other and again we're all kind of keyed up to this one point so uh, again there's no way to really know that for sure and this is the problem with trying to you know manage money if you, you go look i think inflation is going to be super hot and so i'm going to short the market and you know these numbers come in there's no way to to you know because there's so many manipulations to the data you don't know how these numbers are going to come in and it's it's just a wild guess and everybody's trying to guess which which way it's going to be and lately there's been you know good indications that inflation should have cooled a bit more already but these numbers still come in really hot and that's because of the lag and some of the data and that's the hard part to account for uh, particularly you know, with inflation. So you go short the market betting on a hot number and this number comes in weaker than expected and stocks go surging off to the moon. And this and this is the problem, right? I mean, we're not going to have a day, most likely, you know, anything is possible. But what we've seen with the latest CPI reports is very sharp movements in one direction or the other as, as these reports come out. So, you know, and again, by the time that, you know, and, and, and the markets aren't going to kind of open a little bit and then go down or, or open up a little bit and then go up and give you a moment to get into the market or out of the market. Because this report comes out at 730, by the time the market opens, there will be a big change one direction or the other. Now, at some point, the market's going to have factored all this stuff in. Right. And, and again, you know, you would have expected by now that, and, you know, most of the inflation expectations would have already been factored into the market. A lot of the Fed responses would have been factored in the market. Apparently, that's not the case because we go through this every month. And we continue to, we kind of, and we just kind of continue to float from one employment report, one CPI report to the next. But again, we'll, we'll see what happens this morning. Um, and then we'll have to make some adjustments. Uh, key support right now is a 20-day moving average. Um, and then we've got some, some basic kind of lows from the FOMC announcement last week that's a real minor level of support. And then basically it's to the lows of June uh, is the next level of support. Below, below that, we're going to be setting new lows for the market. So there is definitely some downside risk. need to be aware of that. <clears throat> 
Okay. So, you uh, figure out a way to attach an iPad to a bike and then sell it for a couple billion dollars. And then everybody buys them to go have them turn into coat hangers during the COVID pandemic. And now nobody wants them anymore because, well, they're coat hangers in households and they take up space. So what do you do as, as the CEO of the company at that point, right? You go start a new business. And I love this. Um, Peloton's former CEO and co-founder, John Foley, who made a series of demand miscalculations for Peloton bikes during the pandemic, he eventually resigned. And this is amidst the cratering of the shares of the company. Well, he's back. He's got a new venture. Now, I just have a question. I've tried, you know, I've raised money. I've raised a lot of money in my lifetime for different things, right? It's just been the things to do. But, you know, there's, there's always the business of having to go in and pitch people on raising capital. And I just want to know how this story went that he actually convinced somebody to give him $25 million for his new business venture. But this just goes to show you that once, you know, it's just like Sam Bankman Freed, right? He's $16 billion, He's now a negative net worth. Somebody's going to fund him to start another business, right? He'll walk into a VC firm somewhere and say, hey, that one didn't work out, but I'm going to do, I've got a new idea, right? The guy that ran WeWork, right, that was skimming money off the top of WeWork, the whole nine yards, he went and started a new business, got a bunch of funding for it, right? Now, now, why, you know, look, I just saw you run another business to the ground, but I'm going to fund you again. I don't really get that, right? But that's the way it works. Once you're in the loop, you're in the loop. And so it becomes really easy to raise capital at that point, right? People, people will take your meeting. If you're Sam Bateman freed people will take your meeting because of what, it doesn't matter what the outcome was unless you're in jail. Um, you know, they'll fund you again. And so this is the same way with this guy. So here's a guy that built Peloton, ran it to the ground, basically, goes out, pitches a company, gets $25 million to start a rug business. We're not talking toupees, are we? No, rugs. Rugs. Well, you got to have, yeah. have something. You got to have a rug to put your Peloton bike on. Exactly. So he's now doing the accessories for Peloton bikes, I guess. <laughs> His new company is called Ernesta. Just announced $25 million in venture capital funding. The company is stacked with ex-Peloton managers. This sounds like a great idea right from the get-go. Let's get a bunch of people who ran a company into the ground. Let's get them all together to start a rug company. Here's part of his pitch. They're going to make custom rugs in five colors each. And the quote is, with Peloton, we didn't know it would be a success or not, but I knew working with good people was a valuable way to spend my time. That's a true story. Rugs might seem like a potentially uninteresting category, but there's probably at least one rug in your house, and he's correct about that. They're ubiquitous, and people don't spend a lot of time worrying about them. Custom Market Insights released a report in July that showed more than 100 million rugs are sold in the U.S. yearly. The rug market is expected to expand to about 18 billion to 25 billion by 2030. Um, this is part of the pitch, right? And this is always that that pitch, right? There's there's never a downward trajectory in anything that you're raising money for, right? 
I'm raising money to go fund a new company to build pet rocks. And here is the funding trajectory for pet rocks, right? That people are just going to buy these things. And, and, you know, that worked for a time back in the pet rock period for about 18 months. And then nobody wanted pet rocks anymore. <laughs> so, and I'm not saying people aren't going to buy rugs. People are going to buy rugs. But $25 million for a rug company, you got to sell a bunch of rugs, <laughs> at a pretty decent profit margin to make $25 million worth money. But, you know, here, but again, you know, got stuck an iPad on a bike and sold billions of them. So, you know, you know, who knows? I just want to know when somebody's going to put a GPS locator in my rug so I know exactly where it is in my house at all times. I mean. It's handy if it's a flying carpet. Exactly. Yeah. There was a guy for Halloween yeah. that actually did that. He dressed up as, as, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin, thank you. I, was, yes. I, I lost the name. And him and his daughter dressed her up as the princess, and then yeah. he put a he put a, a rug on top of a skateboard, <laughs> and was rolling down the street. So that's pretty clever. Yeah, it was very yeah. people. Have, people have very creative mm -hmm. ideas for Halloween costumes. So we'll see. Anyway, we'll see how Ernesta does. If you're if you're looking for a rug, Ernesta will be a new company to sell you a rug. You can get a, a rug in five different colors. Put it in your house. Did he pitch this as a ground floor opportunity I'm, I'm i don't know but he's probably gonna pull the rug out from somebody <laughs> on this so we'll see how it works out i'm floored <laughs> so anyway all right uh get ready to wrap up the show this morning uh puns aside uh I, again as you know kind of paying attention to your know, wrapping up earnings season uh, we've got a few earnings out today astrazeneca brookfield asset management uh dillard's legal zoom Ralph Lauren Tapestry reported uh, uh, Tapestry reported this morning. Um, terrible outlook. Stock's going to be down sharply. We work. Speaking of the devil, um, they missed on revenue, earnings, and outlook. That stock's down about another ten percent this morning. There's, you know, but again, you know, here's a company that was a disaster to start with, but people funded this whole idea of rental office space. And there's a company called Regency that does it, and that does it very successfully and they were giving astronomical valuations to WeWork like they were going to reshape the industry. And of course that didn't work out at all because people just rent an office. <laughs> it's pretty basic. Uh, not, not a whole lot of science and math to renting an office space. But again, this is where Wall Street kind of always runs awry of itself. $25 million for rugs. Hey, you never know. Might work out. Um, but anyway, wrapping up earnings season, most of those, uh, the, the big names are in. Earnings came in pretty much as expected. Sales growth was a little bit weaker than expected, but earnings were pretty much in line across the board. Uh, the question is going to be really what happens next year in the next you know, couple of quarters of earnings as these higher interest rates start to impact consumer spending. That's going to be the things we really want to watch. And, and the question is, have valuations adjusted for what interest rates and higher interest rates are going to do to economic growth. And that's the one question we really don't know the answer to. But 7.30 this morning, CPI, we'll talk about that um, on Monday when we come back for the next show. Of course, Danny Ratliff and Richard Russo here tomorrow talking to you about all your financial planning needs. And also make sure that you're registered for the upcoming event. November the 15th is, that's next week. We've got our year-end economic review. I'll be joining Richard and Danny to talk about the outlook, how midterm mid election cycles you know, work for markets, what that means economically as we talk about next year, kind of what the economic environment looks like, the investing environment, um, and where to put your money. 
We'll talk about that on November the 15th. Make sure you're registered. And in the meantime, get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Make sure you're registered for our daily commentary right there on the front page. You can subscribe to our daily commentary and our weekly newsletter. So make sure you're on both those lists so you don't miss out on any of the information. We give you a market update every single day to uh, tell you what the market's doing and support resistance, those type of things, and interesting other tidbits. It's all there at the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. See you back here tomorrow.